Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I will give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Tracy Whitmore. She is a coach for LGBTQ plus people and parents and recently published her first book. So Tracy is here to talk about her life, what she's got going on for helping people, a little bit about the book. And so I'm excited to hear from Tracy today. So thank you so much, Tracy. Why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Hi, thanks, Sarah. That's um, that's lovely. And yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. So yes, my name is Tracy and I use she, her pronouns. I, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I was thinking about this before we, we jumped on the call and I was thinking that like I started out as a young mum, a very young mum, and so that was kind of the start of my uh, career pathway, I guess. And then I progressed into accounting and bookkeeping because throughout school I was good at math and I felt like that was the way I had to go. But I didn't quite complete that study. I worked in the space for a very long time and and didn't quite complete the study because I just really, to be honest, wasn't wasn't that interested. And then fast forward, I discovered social work and completed my social work degree, worked in family violence, worked in sexual assault, drug and alcohol, worked with families, worked with young people and loved all of that, very passionate, very um, involved in all the different communities and social justice. And then I was lucky enough to get what I call my dream job, which was working with young LGBTQIA+ people ages 10 to 25 and when I first started that job it was my main focus was to provide counseling and therapy and um, support the the group that we had we had a or we had ended up with a couple of support groups in that space and during that time I would have a lot of parents reach out and say like I know that you're here for my child and and that's you know your job is to to support my child but can you direct me in a place that that can support me as well and unfortunately at that time the answer was no I had no no referral pathways at all for parents at that point and that was back in Australia and so even at that time we didn't have a p flag I think there was a P flag in Northern Australia, but not not where I was. So we ended up starting a P flag and, you know, that went on for, for a couple of years, but there still was no actual therapists or counselling or coaches for parents. And my job was was actually as, as a youth worker to be working with youth. So I ended up supporting parents, you know, um, organizing with my my workplace that, that it, it was important to be able to support the parents for the young people's benefit so I did that for a while but it was a tricky balance to be providing therapy for young people or counseling and support 
and then to try and support their parents at the same time. I couldn't actually provide therapy for the parent because that that would be too difficult and a bit of a conflict. But fast forward from there, I decided to move from Australia to Canada and start my own business all at the same time, which was an interesting an interesting decision. And the focus of my business was actually to be providing health, wellness and life coaching for LGBTQIA plus adults, which because I love working with the community. I'm part of the community myself. And I wanted to shift away a little bit from, at that time, from the therapy side of things and work more in the health and wellness and um, coaching side of things because so many people that I would be seeing, they're struggling with their mental health and there was so many lifestyle changes that they could make that could help their mental health or help improve their circumstances. But at that time I wasn't qualified to to help them in that way, but I knew in my own mind I just hadn't, hadn't got the qualifications at that stage. So then I... I traveled down that road but I couldn't quite let go of the parent side of things and the fact that other than peer support groups which were um, minimal and like there wasn't a lot of options and also they're they're peer-led which means they're they're volunteer-led most of them so there's a lot of limitations there people burn out and and you know can't always um, provide as much support as what people might need whether that's time or energy or or skill set and so then I decided I would go 50 50 and focus half my business for the queer community and half for parents and then working with parents and I, I run a group for parents online what I was hearing a lot was that parents were like they they would come to me they would find me and they would be like oh I so wish I had found you six months ago or a year ago or five years ago because at that point when when they discovered me and the work that I do they were doing okay and they wished they had found me earlier and the same working with the queer community they they would say look I wish my parents would come and see you and so that's when the book kind of birthed itself in my mind (laughs) and if you had have said to me five years ago that I would write a book I would have fallen off my chair laughing probably (laughs) but um, we've done it and the reason why I wrote the book was because I wasn't reaching people I wasn't reaching enough people at the right time for them and so my hope is that the book can reach people at the right time for them it can get a lot broader I mean I work with people all over the world because I'm I'm mostly online but there's still you know time zone restrictions and you know financial restrictions for some people and you know a bunch of other things so hopefully that um the the book is going to solve solve that problem yeah I mean that makes a lot of sense to have you know heard this from other people saying like we want this we wish we had found you to then be like here's a book this is this is you know gonna help support that 
So you mentioned how you're part of the community and how it was a dream job of yours to be supporting the community. So do you want to kind of talk maybe a little bit about your identity and why getting into this sector of helping this community was so important to you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I identify as queer or lesbian, whichever, depending on what mood I'm in. <laughs> um, both meaning, you know, similar things to me. And I guess the why it was so important to me. Well, you know, to be honest, when I first started social work, I didn't, I, I didn't have that conscious thought that oh, I want, I'm doing social work to work with the queer community because, to be honest, there wasn't a lot of jobs specific to work with the queer community out there. So, um, you know, I kind of dabbled in. Um, supporting other support groups and volunteering and and doing bits and pieces but there wasn't actual full-time jobs that were focused on working with the community so when this one came up the the government actually funded a pilot program and then it just grew from there um yeah it was it was being able to be there to support young people through those difficult times and try and help like them stay in school, them stay within their family unit if possible, trying to, I guess, reduce the, the overwhelming and, and very sad and disheartening statistics that are out there for the community. And, yeah, I, I guess when I say that I want to just really make clear, though, that those statistics or the the outcomes for people are not as a result of their sexuality or gender identity. It's as a result of the discrimination or the abuse or the rejection or the isolation that they either experience or that they fear experiencing. I think that is an important distinction to make, um, that it's not, you know, who they are, it's how they're being treated. Mm-hmm. Then you started your own practice while moving continents. Um, <laughs> you want to share a little bit about what that was like and why you decided to go to Canada? Yeah, yeah. So the reason I moved to Canada was my partner lives in Canada. They were were in Australia doing an exchange program when we met, and we did the long distance for quite a long time and you know that's not sustainable especially on the other side of the world (laughs) so so I decided to move over here for for a while at least I've been here for four years so far um and what it was like it was very interesting because I moved about just under a year before COVID and so I was unable to work in Canada for the first six or so months, just, you know, getting paperwork sorted and and all of that. So I was working away at my business, setting up, you know, websites and doing all of the things in the background. And then once I was able to work, COVID hit and, you know, the world shut down. So um, that was a very interesting experience. The benefit of that for me was that, Pre-COVID, no one knew what Zoom was. (laughs) So when I was looking to work with people online, I would have to explain to them what Zoom was. 
and now everybody knows what Zoom is and everybody's, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people are comfortable being on Zoom these days. So that makes it a lot easier to run an online business for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, I the pandemic definitely changed a lot of things and online business mm-hmm. has definitely seen the benefits there. So can you share a little bit about the transition you made to, in addition to originally helping more youth to adults to also helping parents? Like, what are you doing for parents specifically of LGBTQ plus folks? What am I doing for them now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I work with parents on in a variety of different ways. I've got several programs that I offer and I just and I also do um just one-to-one ordinary counseling and or coaching. The programs generally I feel work more work better for parents um because they get a lot of content that they can work through on their own. So it's almost like a fast forward for them because they they get to work through some of the things that they don't really need me for on their own and then they get to have the one-on-one sessions with me to, that kind of amplifies and speeds up the process for most people, not for everybody, but for most people. So I'd provide um, sort of do-it-yourself smaller courses that people can do standalone and then people can work with me in conjunction with the more, the deeper, more um it's a longer program but it's also goes a lot deeper emotionally and and into relationships and and all of that kind of thing which is similar to the the book that I've written it's goes more into the emotions and the beliefs and values and 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 deeper in for the individual person and then connects in with the relationship with their child so I support them basically it depends where people are at but I support them either to, well, not either to, it's as well as, but it, it's helping them understand, you know, right from the very basics, what sexuality and gender identity is, what it might mean for their child, understanding the differences between gender identity and sexuality. Some people, often people get too mixed up. Their, their child comes out as as trans and they they start talking about sexuality or vice versa um so i help them understand the the foundations of sexuality and gender identity we explore their feelings their emotions their thought processes their beliefs and values where they've come from how they influence their interactions with their child and i support them to improve if they need to um, their communication with their child learning a new way to communicate because often that's that's a tough one because people if if the parents are straight and cis they can often feel like they can't talk to their child anymore even though sexuality and gender identity are only two parts it can can really kind of hinder the flow of communication they get nervous about making mistakes or they get nervous about saying the wrong thing or, you know, I don't know how to talk about relationships with my child anymore because they're, in, they're 
they're wanting to be in a relationship with someone of the same gender or, or both genders or all genders or, you know, depending on their child's identity. The same as when we're talking about gender identity. I don't know how to talk to my child anymore because now they've changed gender. Well, they haven't changed, but they've let us know that their gender is different to what we thought. I don't know how to communicate with them about different things. And so it's normalising that and also bringing them back to the basics because it's often panic that's gotten in the way or, you know, fear of, of upsetting their child or doing the wrong thing. Um, and, and while we're talking about fear, there's a lot of fear, especially at the moment, for parents about their child and their child's well-being, their child's future, their child's safety. So I support them through those processes. And, again, we kind of, I guess, bring things back to what is reality, you know, what's, what's, what's actually real right now in this moment and then what we can put in place for their concerns. And, and some concerns are, are very, very valid and some are, you know, more connected to their own history their own past experiences so we we try and separate those and and come to a place where we can kind of be a little bit more present and um support their child where they're at now and the the goal is always to end up in a place where the parents can celebrate and embrace their child you know for exactly who they are love and support them unconditionally And so then do you work with like only parents and only children or do you sometimes work with the same families? Is there a conflict there? Or like if a child or young adult were to say like, I want my parents to talk to you, are you able to do that and make sure like appropriate boundaries are set in place when needed? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a case by case decision that I make. I won't do really in-depth therapy with the child regardless of age and the parents at the same time. I don't think that's fair on, on either of them. But I will work with the family unit in, in different ways depending on the way um, what, what the family's needs are. If there's a lot of conflict, I won't because that's, that's never going to, to work out well. Everybody needs their own person then. But if if I have um, like you the example you gave, if I was working with a with a an adult, I, I don't work with kids anymore um, unless it's you know I might do a session or two when it's supported by the family because I'm already working with the parents or other family members, and that's mostly because I find it really difficult to support kids adequately online. And I'm, I'm mostly online. Um, but if I was to be working with a, an LGBTQIA plus adult and they said, hey, can you talk to my parents, then I would have a conversation with them about what they, their hopes were in, in that, that situation. And if they thought that I was going to wave a magic wand and make their parents, you know, <laughs> do a complete backflip and, and be, you know, completely different to what they already are, in a positive way, then we would have to have some conversations about that because the likelihood, like I don't have a magic wand, unfortunately. But um, I do often end up talking with parents 
and the same vice versa when I'm working with parents and they ask me to, to spend some time with their kids regardless of age or probably above 10 um, I will have you know, maybe one between one and three sessions depending on what's going on mm-hmm. for them but it's more to help them be able to communicate with each other so I want what I won't do is speak for another person so I won't you know see the parents and then see the child and then go back to the parents and say your child's saying this then go back to the child and say your parents are saying this I, I won't be a go-between but I'll support them to be able to communicate with each other and and I find that a lot easier these days because I've I've had so many years experience working with both sides that I don't need to share each personal story or anything that they've shared with me in order to get a point across or in order to support them to understand something in particular I I now have the privilege where I can say well you know when I've worked with parents in the past this is what a lot of parents say to me that you know in this circumstance they might be feeling this or they might be thinking that or they might be this And, and so I can give them lots of different examples of what their parents might be thinking or experiencing or feeling and and the same for for young people even for adults so it gives me i guess the the freedom to not be you know kind of going oh i don't want to disclose what what this other person had other family members said to me so i have to how do i communicate this without you know, breaching confidentiality because I can just share more broadly but still hit the, the main points that need to be. But, I mean, that's a pretty great position to be in, to be honest. It makes life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, the book you wrote is geared toward the parents. So is the book kind of like yeah. a workbook type thing or more just kind of informational sharing? So I, that's a really great question. I guess it's not a workbook, but it would lean more towards that because it is encouraging people to to go deeper within themselves. So there's there's some kind of more informational side of things. It's it's not that's not the main focus though. I I that will probably be my next book Um, but I decided to go with this one first because it's more exploring or encouraging parents to to explore their own feelings their thoughts their beliefs their values whilst also educating them in in some some ways there's a chapter in there around coming out like parents come out too so it's tapping into what the parents the common experiences for parents and then asking them or inviting them to look a little bit deeper for themselves so that they can figure out where their feelings are coming from or where where the thoughts that they have or the beliefs that they have and how they're influencing their behaviour and their interactions with their child. And, you know, that it works really well with parents that are, struggling to be supportive and just as well for parents who are really supportive but 
have some emotions that they're finding difficult or they've got fears for their child that they need to process. And so at the end of each chapter, I also include, there's I call it a mop, it's a moment of pause. So there's an opportunity to take a moment, literally, of, of pause. And I, I offer different examples and ways of doing that to help calm the nervous system. And my thoughts around putting including that in each chapter is to help people learn that as a self-care approach, first of all. But also some of what they're reading is going to be tough or bring up tough emotions for them. And so... I want them to be able to calm their their system down so that they can actually take in the information that they're reading and do the work and the processing that that is going to be most beneficial for them. And then there's also an activity or an action at the end as well. So it has a moment of pause and then it has an action for them to take. And they're connected to the, the obviously to the chapter and what's included in the chapter and some of that might include an interaction with their child or some of it might be going deeper within themselves some of it might include interactions with other people like particularly in the coming out one it might be practicing sharing with a family member that they're they're concerned to share with of course only with their child's permission but there's yeah actions and and moments of pause in each one so it kind of makes it a little bit workbooky i will i will end up creating a workbook that goes alongside it so that people can just have that to to work through and it sounds like you know you were very thoughtful and doing all of that so it wasn't just like an information dump but really a chance for parents to think and reflect now you said earlier that if you had known five years ago you were going to write a book, you would be shocked. And now you've mentioned a workbook, a second book. So what, <laughs> what has, you know, the authoring process been like to go from, I'm probably never going to write a book to this book. And also if you want to share what the book title is, cause we have yet to say it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the book title is it's about you too. And the subtitles reducing the overwhelm for parents of LGBTQ plus kids. So the reason why there's more than one book in my mind is because I was originally going to write a book for that was more informational, I guess, and I, I was planning it and the book was going to end up probably about 5,000 pages. It just kept growing and growing and growing and I – and then – I had, I don't know, I just, it was kind of like a, a, a download where it was like the title of the book came to me, It's About You Too. And that was in direct response to a lot of parents saying to me, particularly mothers, but not only mothers, um, saying to me that when they had reached out for support, whether that was in peer groups, whether it was with professionals, whether it was family members, friends, whoever they had reached out to for support from, that they would be told that it's not about you. It's about your child. You have to put your feelings aside and just be there and support your child. And 
Whilst I agree with that on some levels, you, you do have to be there to support your child. It's it's your job. You're a parent. You chose to be a parent. <laughs> you, it's your job to be there to support your child. However, what I don't agree with is people can't put their feelings aside. And people wouldn't always say that outright, but that's what they're asking, basically, whether that's intentional or not. And what what I found with the parents that I was talking to that were sharing this with me is that that shut them down. They then went into the guilt and shame, unable to ask for help anymore, you know, not not game to even mention that they're finding things difficult because they felt like that translated to I don't love my child or I'm not supportive of my child. When in actual fact, every one of the parents that shared this with me were actually really wanting to do a better job of supporting their child and that's why they wanted support so that they could work through their own fears and their own struggles, whatever they happen to be, and and show up for their their child in the best way that they could, could possibly show up for them. So that was where the title came from. And when people ask me about the, the title, it's about you too. They're like, oh, wait, what about, you know, and they're giving me suggestions of other titles and I'm like, no, 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 the, the title is non-negotiable. <laughs> the title is in direct response to, to that. Um, you know, the, the working, the, sorry, the subtitle was a working title for a while and the, the chapters were all, you know, able to be played around with, but the actual title of the book, not so much. And so in answering your question about what's it like, what was the author process like? Very interesting. It, it took me a while to get started, like I said, because I had all of these different ideas. But as soon as that, that it's about you too, dropped in I was just able to pull everything together that I had you know done in the past you know on social media or the conversations I've had it was all just kind of hovering around in my head so it was really just about trying to sort out my brain what was what was stored in my brain and get it into some kind of cohesive format for other people to be able to take it in so it was it was actually a really fun process I had all over my floor I had little strips of paper with all the ideas that I had and trying to, to put them in, in some kind of idea and then I did one of the things that I love to do is sit in cafes and, and write. I didn't know I liked to sit in cafes and write. I used to sit in cafes and do work and I loved it. And then so then I started just sitting in cafes and writing my book and, and yeah, I loved it. The, the hardest part was the editing, I think. And then the promoting, that's even, that's even harder. The actual writing of the book I found really enjoyable. Good. Well, I think it's, you know, there's a testament to having to go through and editing and promoting, but to enjoy what you're writing, to have such a good purpose um, to be putting out into the world is, is very key. And as you mentioned earlier, hopefully it can get to people as a starting block, as a when people are mm. out there looking for help. Now, are you part of any sort of like referral network that if you can like refer out to other people or, you know, other coaches or therapists like you doing similar work that, you know, the community at large can be helped, even though you are helping people, you know, throughout the world? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm part of a few different networks um, or different, like have different connections around supporting queer folk. But parents, the 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 only real connections I have are more um, like peer led groups rather than therapists or coaches doing the same work. I know that I've recently just heard a couple of podcasts of um, of a couple of different therapists that, as part of their practice, they're also supporting parents as well. And I think you know, hopefully there'll be more and more of that but people actually specializing in in supporting parents and having done it for so many years it's it i mean and that's exactly why i i stuck to it because there just wasn't wasn't that referral pathway for parents for me to refer people on so i was like okay well i'll become my referral pathway <laughs> for now yeah no if you don't mind um are you willing to talk about kind of like your parents and their reaction to you being queer? Sure, sure. So I came out as an adult rather than in my teens. Um, so I wasn't dependent on them at all. And I guess how they took it wasn't going to impact my life aside from emotionally, which is really important, I know, but it wasn't going to impact, you know, my living arrangements or my education or my career or anything like that. Um, my and, and I guess for me, I already had children from from a straight relationship. And so for my parents, I don't know whether it was a huge shock for them They've never really said that it was a huge shock, um, but they might have made some assumptions because I had kids in a straight relationship. My mum was great. She was just like, oh, okay, and kind of tell me more, and we talked about it, and, and you know, it was, it was almost like a non-event with my mum. And to be honest, it was the same with my dad. But um, I won't go into this too much because I haven't forewarned him or anything <laughs> that he's public. But it ended up being problematic more as a result, I think, from um, his partner not managing too well rather than him not managing. And then that puts him in a difficult situation, let's say. I mean, it's fine. But. I would really love for them to read my book. <laughs> I would love to provide my services for them, but that would be very much not appropriate. <laughs> but I'd love to kind of clone myself so that they could access my services and it not be me. But, yeah, and nothing major. You know, I mean, I work with a lot of people who have had a lot, lot worse experiences. Challenging at times, yes, and makes, you know, some events difficult. but. Mostly, you know, I'm I'm pretty independent and, yeah. I, I didn't grow up with my dad either, like, uh, after about the age of 10. So, you know, my parents separated. So I think that makes it a little bit easier as well for me. Like, you know, I think when um, one of the things that I know 
um, which if you've got parents listening, this is probably really important for them to hear actually. One of the things that I observed so I don't know if there's any actual research evidence of this, but something that I definitely observed a lot is that for for young people in particular, when their parents or their family unit is really solid, when when they've they've got really supportive, loving parents, the family's really well connected with each other and and, and that sort of thing. That appears to be a much higher risk for that child, regardless of age, to come out. So parents often, when when they are really supportive and they're open and, and, you know, they feel like, oh, but I had such a great relationship, I don't know why they were nervous to tell me. So parents kind of give themselves a really hard time and they're, they're upset with themselves and or their child when when their child has trouble telling them or tells other people first and what i found is the more connected a child is with their parents the better the relationship often the more difficult it is because the minutest chance that there might be that that the parents might not approve or they might reject them or or just behave differently even is is a really scary thought I think that goes back to that fear that you were talking about earlier, the unknowns. And the reason why I asked about your parents was simply out of a, you know, did you get into this because it was something your parents needed? Um, And in general, it sounds like they could probably use some of your wisdom. um, But because it was later in life, um, it wasn't, you know, like you said, you weren't dependent on them. I think that completely changes the conversation it does so and and to be honest I didn't know that my dad and his wife could benefit from what I do until I was already well and truly doing it and then spending some time reflecting back going this is funny because you know they didn't respond I mean initially the response was okay it was it was a little bit later but it was reflecting back and going oh isn't it funny that I'm doing this work, but they're behaving this way? <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely wasn't as a result of, you know, wanting my my parents to be a, a certain way or to, to access services like mine. Um, and it also, surprisingly for some people, doesn't impact the work that I do either because I do have that little bit more distance, I think geographically as well now too (laughs) (laughs) and now are you willing to talk about your children at all yeah what would you like to know about them (laughs) well i'm i'm curious um you know because i have no concept of their ages um kind of what you know you coming out as queer later on and then um moving to canada like what sort of impact that was for them yeah, yeah. So they're they're both adults. They're both in their early thirties. I was a very young mum, and so they, you know, very well established, independent adults before I moved over here. And you know, they miss me, and they are like, "So how long are you going to be there for? And when are you coming back?" <laughs> um, you know, and and you know, they're at the stage of their life of having kids as well. So, you know, I I will go back 
at, at some stage in the not too distant future, I think. But uh, I try and get over there as much as I can as well. I mean, COVID really threw a bit of a, a curveball at us with, with that um, plan, but that's all done. So, you know, we're back back reasonably to normal as far as me being able to travel home. Um, they were, when I came out, they were in their almost, one was one was in the early teens and the other one just about a teenager. So I think 12 and, 12 and 13 or 11 and 13, there's 22 months between them. So that's why I'm, I'm not confused about their age. It was, I think it was 11 and 13. So um, in Australia, that is one finishing primary school, elementary school in, in Canada, and one had just started high school. And I think, I mean, they, they managed really well. Um, I found out more in their, their adulthood of, of some of the challenges that they had nothing that had a like a huge impact on them socially like they they were pretty well established in their friendship groups and their friends were all pretty good and they their friends all used to come over to my place and you know nothing really changed from what I could see as far as their social interactions and um that they handled themselves really well we were in a fairly small beach Side community but not um not super conservative so that was that was good for them and for us um more what they share with me as a, an adult now is more of their experiences where someone would say something that was not appropriate and that they would address it so um my daughter is is now a youth worker and my son studied social work got three and a half years through his social work degree and then decided to be an electrician but both of them very much have that that empathic compassionate social justice side to them and I think I don't know if that's partly as a result of that or if that's kind of in our blood <laughs> and they, they were just able to use those skills you know we, we had lots of conversations at home about you know managing different people's behaviors and I did a lot of preparation before I told them a lot (laughs) probably too much but I was very very aware that that me coming out could have a negative impact on them so I wanted to make sure that they were as equipped as they possibly could be and when I told them it was like a not a bit they're like oh okay so you know like 11 12 13 years old they they've got more important things to worry about you know their, their personal lives and and whatever you know social lives that they were just like oh okay and i mean we certainly had conversations after that but yeah they they took it pretty well and the, you know they're pretty supportive and they've come to pride marches with me and you know all of those those things yeah yeah well, and I think because, you know, you do focus on parents of LGBTQ plus folks to be a parent who is the LGBTQ plus folk, it's just kind of yeah. like this different dichotomy. So it's it's good to hear, you know, yeah. that you prepared, things have gone well, um, related but unrelated. 
what is your trick for managing the time zone difference in traveling from Western America to Australia? Do you mean the, the travel or the time zone in communication wise or both? Both. So the, the time zone communication wise can be tricky um, around the change times. So when, when um, North America and Australia transition in and out of daylight savings, that makes quite a difference. So we've got to kind of <laughs> readapt to different, different time patterns. But I, yeah, I, I, I usually try and talk to them. So when it's not daylight savings here and it is there, it works really well with my lunch break. I can go for a walk and, and talk to people, have a late lunch break and, and go for a walk and talk to people. Now it's a little bit trickier because it's kind of mid-afternoon that they're getting up and, and driving to work or whatever. But, I mean, we, we manage it. It's I, I have to manage the time zones for everybody. So <laughs> I'm working in like I think I work work and personal life in about nine different time zones so most of the time I get it right but every now and then there's a little whoopsie so I apologize in advance for those but usually it's pretty good and the travel I mean in an ideal world I would be traveling business class or first class and and the travel would be a breeze but I'm not and it can be a long flight but I mean, before the pandemic, it was much easier because there was direct, direct flights from here to Melbourne. But now I, I have to get a connecting either in Sydney or LA or San Fran or, or somewhere. So that's a little bit tricky. It adds another few hours onto your trip, sometimes a lot more than a few. So that's a bit of a pain. But there's always something to look forward to at the other end of the trip. So, and it's a choice I made. So I, I try and just focus on that rather than the, the challenge of a very lengthy flight. <laughs> I think I'm getting better at them. <laughs> yes. And, you know, yeah, as you said, as a choice you made, you knew the commitment you were getting into when, yeah. when choosing to move. Exactly. Now, before I start to wrap things up, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners today? Um, no, just just the, for people to feel free to to jump on social media or email me, reach out if they've got any questions or if they'd like a bit of extra support, if they'd like to find out more about what that support might look like, whether it's a one-off or whether it's an ongoing you know, like I, I do one-off sessions because sometimes there's just this one thing that there's, that people are struggling with and they don't feel like they need therapy, they don't feel like they need a lot of support, just need to sort this one thing out that's kind of niggling at them. So I do that and I, I juggle between therapy, counselling, coaching because some people don't need therapy or counselling. Sometimes coaching is is, you know, the direction that they need to go in or they want to go in. Um, and then, you know, we go right over to the other side of, you know, I've been working with several parents that I'm working with for, for over 12 months because we work through the, the stuff around their child. And then, of course, we've all got stuff that we can <laughs> be working through in our own personal experiences in life. So it's moved on to, 
to their own personal work. So, yeah, so if people want to reach out, then I'd love to chat chat with people. And, of course, grab my book, share it with anybody and everybody because I've had so much feedback that it is beneficial for a lot more than just parents of LGBTQA plus people. So the teachers that are saying, oh, this is going to be great for me for the classroom. I've had parents who, as far as they know, their kids are cis and straight that are saying it's great for parenting, people that aren't parents, so they're learning, you know, more about how to support the community but also how to support other loved ones. So, yeah. Great. Well, everything you've shared today definitely speaks highly to your work and your book. So definitely if people are interested, they should be checking all of that out. Now, at the end of all my episodes, I do ask my guests a random question. So my question for you today is what instrument would you like to learn? Ooh, I like that one. I would love to learn how to play the drums. Number one. And I will say guitar because I've tried a few times and I I don't stick to it because it hurts my fingers and I know you've just got to push through that. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the drums, I would love to learn how to play the drums. Actually, do you know what? I'd also like to play the flute. I play no musical instrument. I played the jumbe drum for a while, but I, I broke my hand, a bone in my hand, so I can't play that anymore. But, yeah. I know you only asked for one, but I've given you three. (laughs) All right, that brings this episode to a close. So as Tracy mentioned, we will be leaving some social media in the description for her, along with the book page on her website. So if you want to check out her book or check out more of her services, that link is there as well. She is also in the works of starting a YouTube page. So in the time that between this recording and publication, she will have brought that up a little bit more. So we'll be leaving that as well. And of course, if you would like to connect with the podcast, our website is on in the description as well. Brings you to all of our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And it brings you to all of our past episodes. So lots of good episodes with LGBTQ plus folk people, other stories, of course, if you want to check those out. We are on all of the podcast networks. And if you would like to support the podcast monetarily, there is a link to do that as well. And if you would like to be a guest and share your story, my email is in the description. That is always the best way to reach me. So thank you so much, Tracy, for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time. Bye. Thanks so much, Sarah. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 